today we're going to talk about the, the, the fact that, that those who are persecuted for righteousness, that, that we will be the beneficiaries of the kingdom of heaven. We're, we're finishing this series where we've been talking all summer about the promises of God. These promises that are basically unlocked, if you will, uh, with the key, the key of the beatitude, the, this blessed quality that describes the, the life in the kingdom of God. Every one of them begins with the word blessed. Again, a makarios means possessing the favor of God, that state of being marked by fullness from God. No matter what we're going through, no, no matter what's happened, no, no matter what, what we fear might be, we are hopeful because of the fullness of God, because of the blessedness of God. And friends, this isn't just for the elite Christians. We've been saying this all summer. These blessed qualities are true of all Christians, made actual in Christ, sought by all saints and partnered with promises. The, the life in the kingdom of God that we've been talking about all summer long, all year long. This, is, this way of life is found in these beatitudes. And today we're, we're going to see a tricky one. We're going to see one that, uh, honestly, you don't hear a lot of sermons on uh, much. And the reality is that's why it's so wise to walk through scriptures the way we do, just taking a scripture at a time. Because today we're going to tackle a, a, a difficult subject but but one that is spoken to consistently throughout scripture as you're going as you're going to see if you've got your bible and i hope that you do let's go to matthew chapter 5 Again, this is the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Begins with the Beatitudes. Eli's going to come and read for us all of these, although our focus verse is on verses 10 through 12. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Uh, again, Eli's going to read beginning in verse 3. So we're in Matthew 5. He's going to start in verse 3, but be mindful, our focus verses are 10 through 12. Go ahead and read that for us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Well done. If you would go ahead and be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. So today we're, we're focusing on what it means to be persecuted for righteousness sakes and and what it looks like to enjoy the the promise of the kingdom of heaven and and knowing that great is our reward in heaven now, now sadly this is a sermon that that some will have difficulty understanding because uh, they've been taught and, and they've come to wrongly understand that being a Christian means that everything's supposed to work out the way we want it to uh, there, there's this concept among some that, you know, well, because I went to church, because, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, because I, I'm doing all the, the right things, I get stuff, and I get happiness, and, and, and everything works out the way I want it. It's all just kind of hunky-dory, friends. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when we are faithful to God, when we are walking with the Lord, that there's a difficulty that comes and so let's begin by understanding our terms. Persecuted. What, what does that mean? I'll put it on the screen for you. 
persecuted. It's to experience a systematically organized effort that oppresses and harasses. This is not just a knee-jerk reaction. This is a systematic approach. It's organized. It's an, it's an effort that oppresses and, and that harasses. These are committed actions. They come from a worldview, a thought-out understanding set of beliefs. Uh, it's done on purpose to harm and to oppress. The, this term was used uh, by the Greeks to, to describe a wild beast being pursued by hunters. That's what it is to be persecuted. Now notice why we're persecuted. Notice the term, for righteousness' sake. And that can, uh, that Greek word for, because of, for the sake of, diakosunes, righteousness. Here's what it means. Because of the righteous identity and lifestyle produced by Christ and his people, we are persecuted. Because we choose to live as Christ, as we walk in the spirit, as we obey his word, there will come, there will come a, a response by the worldly and of this world that harasses and oppresses us. We should not be surprised by this. We are citizens of the kingdom of God and we will be persecuted as we live righteously. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this helps us understand why. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are per perishing. So we're an aroma. If you are in Christ, you smell like Jesus. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To those who are dead, separated from God, we smell like death. And to others, a fragrance from life to life. To those who believe, to those who are born again, to those who are alive in Christ Jesus, the smell of Jesus is the smell of life. Your smells are powerful, aren't they? It's amazing the way a smell can, can alter your, your, your sense of, of perception. Uh, there's a restaurant that, that we love to go to in Florida, and uh, they, they need to change uh, their, their garbage location selection because it was horrific. The meal that I was so looking forward to was completely destroyed because every now and then there would be this breeze, and I would smell this garbage, and it was like, ugh. Here I was in front of this great meal, completely destroyed by smells. We went to another a place that people recommended. And as we were pulling up, I, I seriously wondered if there was any way this place could pass a health code inspection. I was just thinking, no way. But as we began to smell the aroma, I thought, oh, this is going to be good. And, and the smell confirmed, the taste confirmed the smell. It, it, it was good. Smells are powerful. Friends, if you are in Christ, you smell like him. You not only live like him, but you smell like him. And there is an aroma that comes off of our life that, that creates a response. To those who are in Christ, it's a sweet aroma. To those who are dead to God, it's a stench. This has always been the case. Some people are disgusted by Christians. They're disgusted by what we believe and why we believe it. They're disgusted by our very presence and existence and the truth that we stand on. And there, there should be no surprise to that. I mean, if you read the Bible, you will see over and over again that this is the case. This has happened over and over. So as we, as we have sought to understand the Beatitudes this, this summer, you know, every sermon we've, we've, we've located a biblical example that can help us understand our text. Now, this was a difficult task for our preaching team, not because there were so few, but because there were so many examples that we could have chosen from. I mean, we had a list of plenty of people that, that could have proved the point that Jesus was speaking to, but we landed on Jeremiah. 
So if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's now go to the book of Jeremiah. Go to chapter one. We're going to look at three different texts in Jeremiah that help us understand uh, verses 10 through 12 of Matthew 5 in particular. As you're, as you're going there, let me give you some of the background of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was the weeping prophet. Uh, it's believed that he actually wrote the book of Lamentations, that beautiful passage that, that Jason read before, the, that song. And this is a, a man who had seen a lot of destruction. He was living during from, through some very tumultuous times. The northern kingdom, if you'll remember, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had been completely destroyed by Assyria at this point. The southern kingdom, Judah, the Jews, they, they had now begun to live like the northern kingdom that had been punished for their sin. And, and Jeremiah and other prophets were calling them back to faithfulness and to fidelity to God, but they were rejecting this teaching. And so Jeremiah had the responsibility of bringing the truth to explain that Jerusalem would soon be destroyed. There had already been those who had been sent away. You remember the book of Daniel? Remember how Daniel and his friends, they were taken from Jerusalem to uh, Babylon? There's already, there had already been deportations. And so now Jeremiah has seen deportations. He's now preaching to those who remain. He's calling them to faithfulness to God. And they hate him for it. Jeremiah's life and ministry, they help us understand what it means to be persecuted for righteousness. Helps explain the experience of being promised the, 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 the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So let me, let me encourage you to take note. There's three things here I want you to catch. I'm a, I want to encourage you to really process these and really ask God to help you get a sense of where you are in this. Is this true of you? Are you experiencing this truth? The first is this. Those persecuted for righteousness sake are heirs of the kingdom of God. Again, notice it's right. It's for righteousness sake. It's not because you're a smart aleck. It's not because you, you got angry because you weren't being respected for your rights. It's because you were living like Jesus. You were putting off the aroma of Christ and those who were dead to God they found it disgusting. And so there was a, there was a persecution that came. At verse 10, I'm going to put it on the screen for you. You're already there in Jeremiah 1. Stay there. Verse 10, again, of Matthew 5 said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is a lifestyle noted for righteousness. Those who are persecuted for obeying Jesus, we have the hope we have the hope that heaven is our home, but so long as we are here and, and we are standing in Christ, we will be persecuted. This summer I was talking to uh, one of our young men and he was approached by a, a group of boys that were for his friends and they were asking about his lifestyle and he explained very clearly that he had decided and he was going to remain pure until he was married. They asked about other lifestyle choices and, and he again communicated, well, as you've well seen, this is how I've chosen to live and this is my life. I'm, gonna, I'm going to live this way. And they, they, they taunted him, they've made fun of him and they've kind of given him some, some nicknames that, that are meant to be derogatory. And so he, he came and said, so is this persecution? And I said, yeah, sort of, but let's, let's, let's not get over you know, concerned about this. This is, you know, are they burning your house down? You know, are they, are, you know, or is it just, just some name? Because we, we need to be really 
careful about how we use this word persecution. Friends, we have brothers and sisters that are being persecuted in very, very difficult and painful ways. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Will was, was overseas encouraging some of my heroes. Here's a, here's a picture of three of the guys. I just, I love these three men. They're, they're my heroes because of their faith. Uh, these guys have been disowned by their families, many of them. Some of them have actually led now their Islamic family members to Christ. And so there is a love and a bond there, but they can't, they can't get back to their countries because they'll be killed. Where they are now, it's difficult. They're, they're persecuted. Uh, they're, they're, they're serving and they're doing all they can for Christ. And it's a hard, hard life. But Pastor Will was saying that they were making a list of all those who not were saved, but who are in leadership now throughout Europe and the number of Living Hope churches that are all over Europe because of the sacrifices of these men. And they, they're, they're, they have been persecuted. They're being persecuted. They're suffering. But great is their reward in heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for those who are persecuted, there is, yes, an earthly loss, but there is an eternal gain. They understood, we need to understand Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, the missionary in Ecuador who was, an, who was a martyr, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Their experience and the experience of all those who are persecuted for righteousness sakes is similar to that of Jeremiah. Look in chapter one of verse 17. This is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. He says, but you dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them lest I dismay you before they said, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't get your head down. Yes, they're going to come against you. You know, don't, don't become a, a victim, some, some kind of martyr complex. I'm calling to you. I'm calling you to this. This is a part of it. So don't feel sorry for yourself or, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to show you for what it is. Verse 18. And I behold, I, I make you, you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land. So I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to take care of you. I am going to enable you to, to persevere this persecution. He said, against the whole land, against kings of Judah, its officials, <coughs> excuse me, its priests and the people of the land. Now, no doubt about it. Look at verse 19. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. One of the great blessings of being a citizen of the kingdom of God is that when you are in Christ, you have the hope and the promise to know that you are never alone. He is with us always to the very end of the age and he gives us strength and he renews our hope and he provides for his plan. He shows us the way in which we are to walk. He is with us and our God always wins. Remember what Jesus said to Peter, Matthew 16, beginning in verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, on this rock, on that statement of faith, on that confession, on that truth, I will build my church and look, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No one can stop our God. No one can defeat our God. Our God's plan stands and nothing will ever be able to stop him. His kingdom has come. His kingdom is coming and his kingdom shall come. And that gives us hope.
So even as we suffer, even as we face persecution, we, we have hope because we know Romans 8.35. And if you don't have this marked in your Bible, you need to have, you need to have this mark. This is Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As heirs of the kingdom of God, God's persecuted people always have hope because there will never be an end to his goodness. His steadfast love endures forever. Secondly, those persecuted for righteousness sake are falsely accused by evil people. Are falsely accused. Go ahead and go to Jeremiah 18, verse 18. Uh, leave ch chapter one. Let's go now to chapter 18 and, and make your way to verse 18. This helps explain verse 11. I'm gonna put verse 11 on the screen for you. Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So when people are lying about you, when, when they're intimidating you and they're, they're going to cancel you. You know, right now we have this, this whole thing of, of being on the right side of history. And so what we're hearing from the entertainment industry and from some politicians and from media is that, is that the cultural climate has changed. And now you need to change. You, you need to accept what, what they are saying is now the cultural norm. And if you don't, and if you don't, you will be on the wrong side of history. You're going to be the bad guy. You're going to be the problem. And so what do we see happening? We, we see some who were once faithful to the word of God out of intimidation, out of manipulation. They are now walking away from the truth of God's word and they're now progressives, progressive Christians. They, they, they've, be, they've moved beyond the word of God. Now they, they've moved into a place where they're able to define what is good and, and, and what is right according to what everyone in the culture believes. That is not progression, that is regression. But nonetheless, they want to be on the right side of history. And so those of us who choose to stand on the word of God, those of us who are going to choose to stand with Christ and be the aroma of Christ, we need to be ready for that, for that negative response. Recently, there was an actor who was upset because his movie has failed. And he, he blamed those who, like us, who stand on the word of God, um, caused problems. It was a children's movie. I'm not going to give his name or the movie. to don't want to draw attention to it. But here's a portion of the quote. This actor said... Those people are idiots and dinosaurs for objecting to same-sex affection in a children's movie. You are idiots and dinosaurs for daring to stand on the truth of God's word. And so it goes. God says, though, that this, this type of accusation, friends, it's actually a blessing. It's a blessing to have your enemies be the enemies of God. It is a blessing to be called names and to be treated by those who are against God the same way they treated God. Now, it's, it's not fun. 
It's not fun to be told that you are hateful and that you are hurtful. It is, it's not easy to, to do what is right that honors God and promotes human flourishing and to be condemned for it. But friends, at the same time, there is a great blessing because it enables us to be identified with Jesus. We get to be treated the way Jesus was treated. As this lifestyle and this aroma is circulated amongst those who know us, we get to be identified with Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, 18? If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. What a blessing to be like Jesus. What a blessing to have the same enemies as Jesus. Romans 8, 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. It is our joy to suffer with Jesus. It is our joy to be like Christ and to have those who stand in opposition to his truth and his word and his life to stand in opposition to us, friends. When we stand with Christ, we should not be surprised that we receive the same treatment that Jesus received. And, and when that moment comes, we need to respond the same way the apostles did. In the early church, we're, I can't wait to study Acts with you this, this fall. We're going to do a, a, a quick journey through the, the books of, book of Acts this fall. But there was a moment when the, the apostles were told to keep their mouths shut about Jesus. To, to keep their thoughts private. Don't you dare speak up and, and, and talk about who Jesus is and, and what he's done. But they refused. They stood for Christ. They, they promoted Christ. So what happened? This is Acts chapter 5. I'll put it on the screen for you. Verse 40. The religious leaders, the leaders of the day, when they, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them to not to speak in the name of Jesus and, and let them go. And look at, their, look at the response of the apostles. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to, to suffer dishonor for the name. This is what happened with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was proclaiming clearly the word of God. He was illustrating the word of God. There was one instance where he, had, he brought in this, uh, he was wearing this, uh, the, this, this wooden plow and he came in and, the, and it made him so mad. One of the guys took the plow off and broke it. And, and that night God said, uh, yeah, get a metal one. So the next day he comes in with a metal one, right? And, and the guy's like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah, he wasn't being a smart aleck. He was being obedient. He wasn't trying to cause problems. He was trying to reveal truth. So what, how did they respond? Look in Jeremiah 18, verse 18. Then they said, come, let us make plots against Jeremiah for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us strike him with, with the tongue and let us not pay attention to any of his words. What, what Jeremiah was saying was these prophets are lying. These people who claim to be speaking for God, they're lying. And so God's going to destroy them. And they, they were saying, no, no, God's not going to do that. And so they decided, we've got to make everyone believe that Jeremiah is the problem. We've got to make everyone believe that Jeremiah is the liar. We've got to make everyone believe that Jeremiah is the evil one. He's the one that we need to shut out. He's the one that we need to keep silent. He's the one. We can't allow him to have voice in, in, in the public arena. We've got to shove him down. We've got to push him aside. And so he was persecuted. And so will we be if we will be the aroma of Christ. The Apostle Peter was once preparing 
people for this kind of persecution. Look what he told them. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 11. He said, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage a war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Our suffering is to come because we have chosen to be like Jesus, not because of any kind of bad behavior. Our love and compassion in Christ is to help others see the truth of who God is and, and what he has done. Doing what God demands is not easy, but it's according to the Bible, a gracious thing. A gracious thing. Look, this is, uh, again, continue on in 1 Peter 2, verse 19. I put this on the screen. Look at this. Look at this. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. When you stand for Jesus and you lose your job. When you stand for Jesus and the people responsible for your insurance plan say, no, 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 we can't have people like you. When you stand for Jesus and people won't hang out with you anymore, it's a gracious thing. And let me tell you, the wrong thing is to respond in the flesh and get angry. Friends, they're blind. I, I, I saw this video. It just, it just grabbed me and I thought, that's it. That's what's happening. There was a blind man who was walking. He, he accidentally bumped into another man and the man became furious. And, and he, was, he was about to grab the guy and, and, and just give him what for. And then he realized he was blind. And he thought, oh my goodness, this guy, he's blind. He doesn't know what he's doing. This makes no sense for me to attack him. Church, that needs to be our response. When we get bumped by the world, here's what we need to remember. They're blind. They're not alive to God. Remember what Jesus prayed when he died? Remember what Stephen prayed when he was being persecuted and when he was dying for the faith? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Friends, we live in a world filled with people who are blind. And the right thing for us to do is to be gracious to them, understanding that they don't understand what we understand. And we don't need to go causing trouble. There was, in church history, there have been those who saw this blessing that comes with being persecuted. So they thought, well, we better go stir up some trouble so we can get persecuted so that we can have, you know, some of these promises. Friends, no. You don't need to go looking for trouble. All you need to do is simply live for Jesus. Simply live for Jesus. Just be the aroma of Christ. Just be Christ-like. I, I love the way Dustin Binge describes this. He says, do the ordinary things. Serve in your local church. Stand on the truth. Share the gospel. Love people. God uses ordinary people to turn the world upside down. Be an ordinary Christian. And you won't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble will come looking for you. Refuse to lie at work. Re refuse to steal. Refuse to laugh at dirty jokes. Refuse to use foul language. Refuse to treat people who are different than you rudely. Refuse. Refuse to do anything that causes harm, but instead show love and respect and the dignity that every human being is owed because they've been made in the image of God. And as you stand on the truth of, of the word, 
Don't be surprised when they turn against you. They turned against Jesus. They called the Holy One of God evil. We should expect the same. Third thing, those persecuted for righteousness sake are promised heaven's eternal reward. We were promised this eternal reward in, in heaven. Go now to the end of Jeremiah. Go to Jeremiah chapter 50. Go to this, uh, this prophetic word, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 34. Uh, this helps us understand verse 12 of Matthew 5. I'm going to put verse 12 on the screen for you. It says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, the greatest honor any of us can ever receive is to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Friends, let me ask you, are you living the kind of life that is going to lead our Lord when he sees you in death to say, well done, good and faithful servant? It is truly, yes, the greatest blessing you will ever receive and it will come because you, you chose to be the aroma of Christ. Because you chose to stand on the truth. Jeremiah chose to stand on the truth. And he chose to believe God's word. And to believe the reward that was coming. Despite the pain that, that would first have to be felt. Look at verse 34 of Jeremiah 50. This is, this is, a, this is a prophecy. Their redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead their cause that he may give rest to the earth, but unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. He was speaking both of what was soon to be and what was eventually, eternally going to be. Specifically, he was speaking to the fact that after 70 years, as Jeremiah promised, that those who were taken to Babylon would be allowed to return. And so there was a post-exilic time. And we've studied the book of Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah. We spent a whole year studying this. This was what happened. God kept his word. After 70 years, the people were brought back and Babylon was crushed. The Medes and the Persians came and later the Greeks and, and they were absolutely devastated and destroyed just as the word of God said they would be. But that's not all that that prophecy was pointing to. Speaking to the ultimate destruction of Babylon and everything that Babylon is symbolic of. If you weren't here for the very first sermon of this year, go back and listen to it. Uh, this, this city Babylon is used throughout scripture. It begins with Babel. Babylon speaks to those and represents those who are enemies of God. And so this prophecy, it was not only about that Babylon, but the ultimate Babylon. We read about this ultimate Babylon in the book of Revelation. This is Revelation chapter 18, beginning in verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against who, her. Who is she? She is Babylon. She is the enemies of God and all who are in, in company and in concert with her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. God's judgment is going to come against Babylon and the enemies of God. Friends, there is no in-between team. 
There's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of darkness. There are those who are of the city of Zion and those who are of the city of Babel. And, and what's so sad and disturbing is that there are some people, maybe some of you who are here right now, who are seemingly nice, good people. But friends, remember what Jesus said. He said, there will be many on that day who will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do good things? Weren't we nice people? And Jesus is going to say to them resolutely, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. To be citizens of the kingdom of God is a choice. It's a choice that every individual must make. We are born as citizens of the city of Babylon. By grace, we are made children of God and citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Friends, where are you? And where will you be? I want you to think very seriously for just a moment about this. Where will you be 200 years from right now? Not next year, not in a decade. Where will you be 200 years from now? You will be somewhere eternally. And either you will be in the kingdom of heaven or you will be with those of the city of Babylon. You will be with all the demons of hell and all those who hate God. You say, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't hate God. I, I'm not a bad person. What, what, why will I be thrown out? Why will I be cast out? Because if you are not covered in the righteousness of Christ and if you are not the aroma of Christ and the only way you can become the aroma of Christ is to be covered in the righteousness of Christ that is received by faith, you stand condemned. To be the aroma of Christ is to be a stench to the world. Choose. Do you want to be with Jesus and against the world? Or do you want to be with the world and against Jesus? You choose. Choose wisely. And when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, do not be surprised. And remember, great is your reward. Your God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And his promises stand true forever and ever. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Care leaders, if you would, please come forward. These folks are here to pray for you and to encourage you as we conclude. So let's pray. Father, as we, as we get ready to sing once again of your goodness, I pray that you would impress upon the hearts of every person who is here a real sense of where they stand with you. Of if, if there's not a, a change for some, how 200 years from now, they will be cast out and they will be in utter despair with those of the city of Babylon. And I pray that right now they would repent and I pray that they would be saved and I pray for your redeemed people who are going to have to stand on the truth because they, can, they can't do it otherwise. And because of that, they will be persecuted and there will be a cost. Pray that you'd give them peace. 
And I ask that you would receive glory and honor from their sacrifice and service and that there would be a happiness and a hope in their heart because they are walking in your way. But Lord, we need your help. So I pray for those who need to come and pray to ask for strength, those who feel compelled to come and pray for those who are being persecuted all over the planet and for those who need to come and be saved today. I pray that they will. In Jesus' name, amen.